Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Latch Mama podcast. For those of you who have not listened to our podcast before, the Latch Mama podcast focuses on motherhood, especially those days that you really, truly feel like you're in the trenches trying to navigate it all. Um, today, we're going to talk about one of my current favorite topics to read and explore, which is perfectionism. And we have a fantastic guest. Yay. You're listening to Latch Mama podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt. Busy mom of six and owner of latchmama.com. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, breastfeeding, postpartum, and all things motherhood. Um, guys, Kat's back. Hi, Kat. Hi. I'm so glad to be back. I Thanks for having me back. I am totally thrilled you're here. Our last topic um, that we talked to Kat about, which is back in the archive somewhere. I don't know which episode it is, but it was on boundaries. Um, it was one of our most listened to podcasts. Did you mm-hmm. know that, Kat? I did not know that. I, I didn't know. even know that. Um, yeah, it was actually one of our most talked about within the group and most listened to. Love so, it. okay, Kat, why don't you introduce yourself before we go much further? All right. I am Kat Dillingham. Super glad to be back here at Latch Mama. Um, <laughs> I have been married for almost 29 years now. My husband's wow. name is Don. We have four amazing kids, um, Will, Bryn, Adam, and Ethan. I have an amazing daughter-in-law, Christina, and amazing son-in-law, Trevor. So we have a wonderful, thriving, and growing family. Awesome. Love it. Uh, what do you do professionally? I am an educator, <laughs> and I am work at one of the elementary schools in Chesterfield County. Um, Kat just has a really good insight onto, I don't know, how would you describe her, Lindy? Oh, Lindy's here too, guys. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Um, I don't know. She just seems like the calm after the storm. (laughs) Like Like she's gotten through it. (laughs) Like, yes, just very calming presence Mm -hmm. and very wise. Yeah. So Lindy and I are very much still in like the little kid years and Kat has gotten through. And so she's like, this little shining light that comes in and tells there's, us we're doing an okay. light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. 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 She tells us we're doing a good job. Yes. Which is great. So I've been really intrigued lately by this idea. And it like kind of one of those things that you sometimes read that just kind of like pulls the rug out from underneath you a little bit. and makes you like look at everything differently. And it was a quote. It said something about the fact that like perfectionism is a form of avoidance. Mm. And, like, I took a step back to think about, like, I mean, I struggle a little bit in general with perfectionism. I don't know if you could see that from my life and my business and everything. Um, I've had to learn definitely that there's going to be nothing perfect in a life that has six children and a business and all of that. But um, I still tend to strive for it every day. Um And I really started to dig into like what that looks like, especially in motherhood. It looks differently in motherhood and business, but, and like what I'm trying to truly avoid, like what are those uncomfortable feelings that I'm trying to avoid by trying to get everything completely right, you know, and maybe those uncomfortable feelings are trying to teach me something. Yeah. Yeah. I think perfectionism is is such a sneaky thing because there's a fine line between perfectionism and excellence. Mm-hmm. And I think we can tell ourselves we want to do something excellent, but we're trying to make it without error, without flaw. And it it's a true impossibility. And I think that um, striving for perfection actually will 
limit our capacity to live the fullest life that we could possibly live. Because to, to be perfect means we have to maintain control. We have to have everything under our fingers. We have to have... Um, we have to, yeah, it really comes down to like a control, our ability to control something. And when we've got little ones running around um, who have their own independent lives that they have to live, control is actually an illusion. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something that we can say that we can let go of it, but we have to really truly believe that um, perfectionism, control, they are impossibilities. We cannot achieve them. Mic drop. Mm. No, I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, and that's what's, that's what's so crazy because I think it is such a great element of like this greater issue that we have in motherhood because in what other stage of life are you constantly trying to create the most perfect situation for your little people? Like you're given these little individuals who you just love more than life itself. Like, like literally you're given them and you're you're supposed to guide them through life and of course you want things as perfect as possible for them and you want them to hit every milestone when they're supposed to you want them to eat the best food you want them to breastfeed as long as possible and you put all of these crazy expectations on yourself and them um because you want what's best yes you know yeah but then they're it's not possible. It's not possible. So then what happens to your little mama heart when you start to realize that failure is literally just something that is built into literally every 10 minutes of motherhood? I think learning to embrace failure. I, mm-hmm. I once, my, my oldest son was a part of a rocket team that uh, redefined fail as first um, attempt in learning. Wow. And so if that. we if we kind of redefine how, what failure is, I just learned something new through this. And we embrace failure and run into it as an opportunity for us to grow and for our children to grow. And actually, the research um, in this area is very, very interesting. If we want to build grit in our children, we have to teach them to embrace and run into failure to learn to overcome and build that muscle mm-hmm. so that that children who learn they are smart, for example. And I would, mm-hmm. I would say even that could be like a, I'm, I'm perfect, I'm good at all these things, I'm smart, versus kids who learn to just really continue to work at it, tackle it, embrace the challenge, run into the obstacle. Over a lifetime, the research shows that those kids will outperform the smart kids, the perfect kids, Mm -hmm. because they have learned to embrace the challenge instead of trying to get it right all the time Mm -hmm. because we can't possibly get it right all the time. And I think in terms of setting expectations, one of the things that I think has helped me over the years, and these are things that are so hard to really unpack for ourselves as mothers, but thinking about our children and and this layer of things with like characteristics and competencies for our children. So who they are versus what they do and really developing the character who they are over the competencies of what they do. So developing kids who are hard workers, truth tellers, um, good listeners, empathetic, 
um, servers of other people versus kind of like a, you need to get straight A's. And Mm -hmm. if you get straight A's, I'm a great mom. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get straight straight A's, I am a terrible mom. And we attach our identity into our Mm -hmm. kids' performance, which is a really dangerous connection to make. That's the conversation I was having with my husband the other Mm -hmm. night because I saw this video and it was a major league baseball coach and he talks about their sessions that they have with their players about this winning versus losing and instead of winning versus losing, it is a winning versus learning. So there's never a losing aspect. Mm. There's never a disappointment aspect. It's literally an opportunity to learn. And he said he'd much rather work with those players that have good skills that they can hone than these players that have these incredible skills but are never open to that learning process. And he said that these players will come out on top every single yes. time. Yes. And it was very interesting because we were ha- talking about my oldest son just in relationship, with, you know, kind of with the volleyball and things that he's trying. And it was very interesting. So then when you brought up the motherhood, I was trying to think yeah. about that, kind of that expectation Versus learning and the disappointment mm-hmm. or failure, if you want to call it or something. It I mean, was very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I didn't mean to step on you. No, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I think it's so interesting, though, because I think we live in a society, though, where we value the other side of that list that you just said. 100%. We don't, we don't value the empathy mm-hmm. or the sharing or the serving. We don't value that like we value the straight A's or, you know, the the captain of, of the baseball team. Or mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because I realize more as I go through motherhood what a blessing it is that we are homeschooling our kids a little bit because some of sometimes, I mean, we are fully homeschooling them but there are benefits in it because we choose what is celebrated at the dinner table every night yes we don't we don't choose i mean they're not going on stage and getting a perfect attendance award at you know the end of the year but they might get celebrated at dinner time for realizing that they needed to take a nap like the 10 year old realizing that he needed to peace out of school for a little while and he needed time to go take a nap yes that's what's valued at the dinner table as opposed to the perfect attendance award or something like that yes and that's it's so interesting because that's where it becomes a very personalized to each of our children. Mm-hmm. So when we have hard driving children, mm-hmm. we want to praise them for learning to self care and take that break. Yeah. And then the kid who's prone to just take all the breaks, yep. we want to praise them for not taking that break, but choosing yeah. to get up and do something in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so individualized for each child mm-hmm. and how they're wired. Yeah, it is it's so crazy. fascinating. One of the things that I saw a number of years ago when my oldest son um, was at, at starting high school, I saw a, a documentary called The Race to Nowhere. And I don't know if you've seen this or heard of this, but it is so compelling and so disturbing. And it was basically talking about our culture and how our children, our young children even, we're, we're, we're um, creating them to build resumes We're creating them to put their life on display, to be praised, to move to the next level, the higher, the higher um, position, the um, more elevation, and that we're we're training them, we're training them to compete in a race that goes nowhere. Mm -hmm. And one of the most disturbing elements, and I could see my own self in this documentary. Mm -hmm. I just wept through the whole thing. But it was, it highlighted the story of a 12-year-old girl who was a 
beautiful girl. She was athletic. She was, she had straight A's. She played the violin, just beautiful. And she committed suicide at 12 years old. And I just, I just felt that devastation. And I, I, I was very convicted as a mother watching this and thinking, what am I training my children for? Mm -hmm. In what race am I training them to compete? Is it a race that will go somewhere or nowhere? Yeah. And it's so, (laughs) I mean, we talked about this while we were walking this morning. It's such a departure from, especially how I was raised, like in the sense that you saw your, yourself somewhat in that. I mean, it's funny because, you know, when you come together as a couple and you start to raise kids, Eric, my husband, he tried every sport every season. So like his mom said, you're going to play baseball for a season. You're going to play basketball for a season. You're going to play soccer for a season. And what that does to the college athlete in me, like it gives me the shakes because I'm like, how on earth are you ever going to excel at something? How are you ever going to get a college scholarship? What a waste of time it is to just jump between sport to sport. Like, how are you ever going to like be great at something. And he'll just look at me and it is such a disconnect between the two ways that we were raised. And it happens all the time with our kids. Cause I'm like, okay, they need, they need to make it to swim practice three days a week this week. And he's like, but we could go as a family here, or this one could play with a friend here. That's going to bring him more joy. But I'm like, no, they have to be great. And I feel myself stopping myself all of the time because I want to value this other side of the list, but I wasn't necessarily raised that way. So it's just this constant battle of when I look at my child at the end of the day, am I happy because of what they've accomplished on paper and their test scores and what they've done? Or am I happy that they just helped their little sister get their water, you know, and, and made a plate of food and asked her how her day was like, exactly. what, like, what am I going to value as a human being and what are we racing towards? And know? I think that element, that, that tension that mm-hmm. you talked about right there, we're always living in that tension yeah. because perfectionism, I think could drive us far to the left or to the right, to the black or to the white, the tension, the gray space in the middle mm-hmm is the hard place to live, but it's where we must live Mm -hmm. in order to train our children in the best way. Yeah. And then you add the social media aspect Uh on top of it and the pressures, you know, from all the things you see and that this person was accepted into 10 schools and, you know, everyone's posting, you know, the best and not the hard times. And that just adds to that motherhood, like pressure on your shoulder as to, you know, then you go back and kind of critically think about what you've done and is it the right choice? And should I be doing this? But should I be doing that? And Mm -hmm. it's, it's draining. That is like the parental peer pressure that we (laughs) feel can be overwhelming. And I think that's where we have to really lock into values. Mm -hmm. We have to be ready to run counter culturally Almost re- so in a hard. rebellious way of we believe this is important and we're going to choose to kind of band together in this in setting these priorities. I think that that parental pressure it doesn't end. It starts where oh my child's reading at a fifth grade mm-hmm. level and they're only one year old, yep. you know, and then to my child is accepted to these elite colleges and and 
I my bend, I'm type A, I'm wired for performance. I was raised, you know, to perform. And so kind of pulling back and being intentional with my own kids, like I want to set high standards and have high expectations without attaching identity to those performance things. How do you do that? Give me, give me your, your secret sauce there. (laughs) Cause that right there is literally what I struggle with on a daily basis is that I want excellence. I want them to know what it feels like to work hard and to accomplish something and to be proud of themselves. But I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I I, pray a ton because (laughs) it's, it's so hard to know. And I think one of the things I've tried to do is kind of pitch it back on them instead of me evaluating something for them, Mm -hmm. just saying, are you pleased with how you did on that? Are you pleased with how fast your time was on that, on that, you know, in that swim meet? Are you pleased with that grade? Because it really comes back to them evaluating. Maybe I should have worked a little bit harder on that. Or you know what? That was really difficult. I am very satisfied with that grade. And, And taking the evaluation out of my head and even taking the praise out of my hands Mm -hmm. where I'm going to, what I've tried to do with my kids is praise their character and not their performance. Um, You worked really hard. You swam so fast. I love how you, you missed when you swung at that ball, but you did not quit. You kept swinging. You got back in it. You kept fighting. Mm -hmm. When you first started studying that content, Mm -hmm. you were struggling. You worked so hard. Look how far you've come. So it's not about where you, it's, you know, it's not about where we end up really. It's about where we started compared to where we end up and the growth. So prioritizing growth, praising growth and having them see their own growth uh, is, is huge. I just, it's, and when that happens, I would like to say for those people who have not had those moments where the growth is on. And I keep saying like your side of the list because I don't know if people are watching this on YouTube, but you had like your one hand, which was, you know, the the things you can touch, some of that tangible stuff. And then the other hand was like the other growth, which is like the stuff that we don't always recognize as a society. But, um, you know, I've talked about, you know, I talked about Nathan a lot on this podcast because he's a little bit more of a challenging child for me sometimes and he's 10 and he has he takes these tests at the end of the year and at certain grades are the same test they just score them differently so he took he took the same test at the end of this year that he took last year and last year there were tears and they were struggling like and it took us three weeks to get through the test because it's an untimed test and it was so so hard this year he didn't score much better. I mean, he made it to grade level, which was great. But there were so many times where he would come downstairs and he'd say, I only have a few more sections left and I know I can do it. I love and that. And it was the, like, talk about crying. Like he could have scored on a 12th grade level on the test and it would not have done to me emotionally and in terms of just filling my like mom bucket Yes, as him just getting through the test without crying and having this confidence that yes. somehow in the past year we've all done something right yes. where he suddenly is more confident with himself and how he's developing. And so it's just, I love it's that. so hard though. Yeah. 
Because of course I'm looking at the scores too. And I'm yeah. saying, how are we ever going to get you reading on grade level? Yeah. And what does this mean for the rest of your life? And da-da-da-da-da. And will you always struggle? And oh my gosh, I just want you to pick up a book and love them like I do. You know, there's all this stuff that goes through your mind. But you look at those little wins. And, and it's mm-hmm. it's a big win when you think yeah. lifelong for him to be able to say, yeah. I, I know I, I can, can do, do it. it. Yeah, That is huge for him, that self-talk yeah. for that when he's handling diff- difficult things. And I also think, too, with our kids, like looking at those areas, we you know, talked about the characteristics and the mm-hmm. competencies, looking at those areas of competency where they are strong and building off their strengths so that kids can feel. Mm-hmm feel a sense of deep competency because we're not all competent in the same areas. So learning to kind of like dive into, like I could look at each of my four kids Mm -hmm. and they're each great and at very different things. My oldest was constantly in trouble for talking all the way through school. Every year there were report card comments about being in trouble for talking. Now he's an applications engineer. So he talks for a living to explain difficult conversations to connect people with difficult content. And I thought, this is his gift of talking that he's gotten in trouble for his entire Entire life. life. Mm -hmm. But looking at where our kids are strong and then giving them platforms to develop those strengths Mm -hmm. while they also boost those areas of struggle. Mm -hmm. A couple of mine struggle in the big picture. So they'll come to me like, for instance, Lennox, my oldest, has struggled a bit with swimming this week. So I encouraged him to do the summer swim, not for performance, but literally just go hang out and have fun. And he came home and he was like, well, I can't do that. And I'm like, like, what, what can't, what do you think you can't do? He's like, well, I can't do that 200 and all the, you know, 11 and ups or whatever are doing that. And I'm just trying to think like, why, why do you think you can't? And also maybe they just can't see the steps, like the little steps to get there. Yeah. And so it's an automatic can't, it's an automatic, like that bar is too high. I'm not going to put it there because I'm never going to get there. But I think sometimes I've like reverse engineered it, like engineered it with Mm -hmm. Gabe. Mm -hmm. So he can, because he, that big picture is very hard for him. And it makes it a little bit easier. And it's like, well, if I just do this for kind of this amount of time, and if I keep doing this, and if I keep doing this, like this is going to be a whole, like it starts to seem not as, not as big. Yes. And it will eventually happen. Yes. Um, and it, was, it was just a few things with Gabe, but Lennox, my one that strives for the perfection. Oh, I tried volleyball for two weeks. I'm not the best. Well, now I quit. Like, so those are the conversations we're having, similar to the oldest one over here. Yeah. Um, it's just very interesting. But I can see that because sometimes even I, as an adult, mm-hmm. look to that greater thing. And I'm like, I can't do that. Yeah. But it's like... If you break it down, maybe I could. I don't I know. I love that. You're, what you're doing is you're chunking not the and best making things it, accessible to him. You're creating small wins along the way. Yeah. So he can say, I just won that little thing. I think I could try the next step. And you're, you're, you're basically scaffolding that process for him. I had a, a son that also struggled with, with swimming and just was afraid of the lights or the, 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 you know, the vents. And just getting to swim past the light, that's a huge win. Maybe if you don't even make it to the end of the lane, you just conquered a fear. Conquering the fear and breaking that that barrier in your mind, that's much greater than getting to the end of the lane in a certain time. Yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. But society tells us it's nobody talks about 
hey, today on Facebook, you yeah. know, hey, no. my kid swam past the vent today. No, yeah. they, they say, <laughs> yeah. you no. know, they say, hey, my my kid's the next Olympian, you yeah. know, and it's like, and but we're all, we're, we're all there and we're all in those moments. But yeah. as a society, like you said, like, we don't celebrate them. Yeah. We don't mm-hmm. celebrate those little, yeah. th- those little like those moments. And so, yeah. This is where it's just like mothering. So much of the most important work is done in the secret, mm-hmm. unseen, unknown place. Mothering, where when you're changing that diaper, you're getting up at 3 a.m. to feed that baby. The most beautiful, most important work of your whole life. Society does not highly esteem that. But what if we knew that was the most important thing. This is where we must we must run against what the culture dictates are the values. We must know deeply this is really important work that I am doing in the unseen secret place. Oh, yeah. And I I mean that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. But how on earth do you do you get there? You know, like how like when there's so much isolation. There's so much loneliness in motherhood when people are turning to social media because they get that fix of connection and that thing that, you know, is inherent in every single human being. How do you get away from the comparison and the competition and the scarcity mindset and all of that stuff? Like, how do you get away from that and get towards the other stuff that really that's so good I think creating and seeking and not giving up until you attain it real real community real talk real life community is really critical so things that come out of latched mama face-to-face time and other mothers groups that are out there to support women um being willing to be vulnerable and expose that I'm a mess. I'm a hot mess. Do you know what I had to do to get here today in my hot mess of a self? And then being willing to connect with other people and kind of setting that bar of, I need real friends that are going to give me real talk and are not going to try to paint a false picture. I would even consider limiting that social media time. You know, I've done that for myself where I'll get on some for a little bit on the weekends, but during the week I'm not into it because I find that it too much of it can strip away things in me. Um, and it, it, it creates a false sense of reality and it creates in me a sense of striving for something that is perfect, that is unattainable. Mm-hmm. So then I feel a gap in myself of I am, I'm failing, I'm not measuring up. And I think that things that are going to feed that, we need to really either restrict, cut off, or limit. And then be willing to push into community, even if we feel like we're a hot mess. I mean, I, I, I love that. And I, you, you say things and I smile and I'm like, yes, you're right. But then I like literally dig into our, our day-to-day and what we see and the behaviors that we see and the and and I just really wonder whether there are enough healthy individuals in motherhood to be able to form these communities. I think that we are failing our mothers in such a drastic way now in the United States that there almost is not enough. There, there aren't enough 
individuals that are healthy enough to come together in these face-to-face groups that are not going to do more harm than they mm. than good. I know that sounds so terrible and I am like literally the most optimistic person in the world and I will keep fighting for it until the day I die, but I feel like the failures start so early on in the process and we have so many unhealthy people that are trying to navigate motherhood from a place of lack of support and lack of confidence and lack of clarity and competition that then we all just come together and it's, it's an implosion of, and I think it really starts before you even have kids. Yeah. It's literally like first pre-pregnancy during pregnancy where those expectations come in and you're kind of forming this after childbirth life and it's not, yes, it's not going to happen or it's just not reality. Mm hmm. Uh. And I think that that's where we have to start, too, with our own health, prioritizing our own wellness and wholeness to bring our best selves into every moment of the day, not in a perfect way. Mm -hmm. But I think it's like the it's the moment by moment, day by day, I'm going to show up in this crazy town moment and just... (laughs) be my my truest best self and then tomorrow maybe I'll level up incrementally a little bit every day and I do think it starts you know with women in general I th- I just love women women work so hard mm-hmm. we do like everything and we hold ourselves to impossible standards mm-hmm. And I think we need to give ourselves a big fat break and sometimes just sit down and say, good job, girl, you're doing really well. And, and we really have to fight the comparison trap and setting those expectations. Sometimes we don't even know we have an expectation until it's not met. One time I realized that for me was after my second child, I after my third child, I knew in the moment after I had my third child that I was going to have a fourth child. Like at the moment where you're like, I never want to have kids again because you've just pushed a body out of yourself. And I just knew that I would have a fourth child. And I got pregnant with my fourth child and then I had a miscarriage. And I thought I had planned a whole life with this child before they were even born. And I never even knew I had that expectation Till I lost that life and had to go through all of this. What just happened there? I had an expectation I didn't even know I had. And what was this about? Like I knew I was supposed to have a fourth kid and then I ended up, we got pregnant again and had Ethan. But these, I think that's the thing about life is it's so, it's a mixed bag. It's beauty and pain and laughter and joy and sorrow and tears. It's all that's the that's the stuff of life and we have to keep reevaluating i just set that expectation i need to reevaluate it um we don't even know that it's off until we have clarity to see it and at the moment of clarity is a moment we can say i need to shift that so it's like giving ourselves grace that we're going to get that clarity and shift the expectation and move us and our children and our families into more and more wholeness and health, one baby step at a time. I agree. I just wish I could have done that before I had children. 
Yeah. Like a little bit more of that education and mindset. And I know you go along and you learn things as you go along. And like, that was my story. But like, I did not learn a lot of things until after four children. Yeah. And then I was able to slowly work on myself and implement these things. But then I look back at those four plus years that Mm -hmm. seemed very unhealthy and I could have implemented so many things, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's where we have to give ourselves grace to kind of start where we are. Right. And at that moment in that space today, we can impact our children no matter what their ages are, whether you're kind of looking at this and thinking, my child is now 12. What do I do? I've wasted all this time. I didn't know all these things. So we just start today where we are because what I'm learning is that this process is never over so that we have to adopt a mindset of until the ta- day we take our last breath on this earth, we have got to have this lifelong learner, lifelong first attempt in learning. I'm going to fail. I'm going to try again. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to miss the mark. I'm going to go after it again. I'm going to miss the mark. I'm going to succeed. It's just yeah. the whole yeah. I think one of the coolest things I've learned about failure, because you don't get here without failing a whole, a whole of a lot. I mean, you don't get anywhere in life is that it's okay. Like it's not, it's not normally going to kill you. I mean, unless you're flying an airplane or something like that, like most of the time failure is going to be okay. Like, I mean, I've, I mean, we've done pregnancy losses. We've ordered wrong clothes. I mean, failure from all over the place. I mean, we've lost tens of thousands of dollars as a business. I've said the wrong thing out loud. I mean, all sorts of stuff. And, you know, the the person that you have at the end of the day is yourself. So like that self-kindness and self-compassion and learning from it and moving forward is like where so much of the beauty in life is. Yes. And I think it goes back to what you were talking about at the beginning with perfectionism. If If you had to kind of start every day thinking, I can't say the wrong thing today, mm-hmm. we are going to live very small, small, small unimpactful lives Mm -hmm. from a mindset like that. So we have to say, I might say the wrong thing again today, just Mm -hmm. like I said the wrong thing and messed up yesterday. In fact, going and going, I know I'm going to mess up today, Mm -hmm. but I'm just going to go after it the best I can. That's how we live large, expansive, impactful life. Because the, the flip side of that is very small, very narrow living with very little impact. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, I just I think it's it's just such a cool concept in the sense that like I have learned that the people that I want to be surrounded with in life are the people that own their shit. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. I if I have somebody in my life who can say, hey, you know what? Yesterday was a really crappy day and I was mean or I did this or I did that. And hey, I'm really sorry. Or hey, I said that and mm, it probably wasn't my best moment. Oh my gosh, I want to be around them more. Yes. Not, I mean, not because they're, they don't make mistakes, but because they do make mistakes and that we can talk about them and, and they're human and we're human. Yeah. And I feel like if we could find that place, especially in motherhood, I feel like it could be such a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. That vulnerability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know, I think maybe it's kind of like our generation or whatnot. I don't know, struggles with making those mistakes. Yeah. Like when I played in college, um, I had a horrible coach and it was, there was a fear created over making mistakes. Mm. So consequences for mistakes. And I get that sometimes there are consequences with mistakes, but at least with like my kids, I don't want them to be afraid to 
make said mistake because then you can't learn. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to then choose to consistently repeat said mm-hmm. mistake that you already know about, like that's different. But I think there cannot be that fear. You can't create that fear around making mistakes. Um, because it just goes to like the perfectionist. Yeah. It, like we're never going to be perfect. And I feel like that's constantly a conversation I try to have with my kids. I'm really trying to have it with myself as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's, that's yeah. not really how I was brought up for some of the years later on. Not to my parents, but through those kind of college years and things like that. So I think it, it's, it's what you're talking about with... We have these conversations with our kids, but we got to be modeling it. We have to be walking the talk and showing them that we are taking risks. We are failing. We're messing up and we're owning those and we're learning and we're still pressing in. So that might look like an apology to our child. Like, I just totally blew it, man. I'm just sorry. I I raised my voice. I was so rude and disrespectful to you. Or they might just see us doing something really hard and scary out in the world somewhere, stretching ourselves. And those, 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 the intersection of our talk with them and our walk where they can see it lived out, I think is huge. Yeah. I see that also too, as a business owner here, like people talk a lot about how we have like, you know, supportive family culture and stuff. But I feel like that's one of the largest things that, you know, when you get to be a business owner and you create a culture like this. I get to see what everybody comes to the table with. And I get to see sometimes where when you gather 35 people together and you are responsible at this point for paying them and them showing up where we are lacking a little bit and kind of development in life when people show up here. And, you know, so we do the whole like mom support thing. But another saying that we have is that there are no emergencies in nursing wear. And the amount of times I've had to look at somebody and say, hey, you know what? You made a mistake and it's okay. I'm not going anywhere. Your job's not going anywhere. The brand's not going anywhere. Give them a hug. Order a pizza. We all hang out. We're all fine. But it's funny because Lindy looks at me because it's it's funny because then we get heat from our customers, though, when we make the mistake. So it's like this. I'm trying to model this very supportive. We, 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 we mess up. We try sometimes and we don't get it right. Like we made probably a $12,000 mistake last week, but you know what? We tried harder than when we had tried the same thing a quarter before. And it's what I think where I think we struggle though is what we get sometimes from the outside world when we make the mistake because there aren't a whole lot of people sometimes that there, there, there are, there are people who give us grace for owning our mistakes, but there are a whole lot of people who get angry when people make mistakes too, you know? And it and it's that that balance as the business uh-huh. owner of setting that standard of excellence and giving grace to people which inspires loyalty ch- and commitment and such a great working culture. The yeah. balance, the gray tension, yeah. that space. Yeah. But I think anytime that you let somebody you have a moment of like it's okay. Like, you know, you have that compassion person to person moment the best thing that I feel like they can do is not necessarily be loyal to the company, which I mean, of course I would love that to happen, but I want them to go out and pass it on to somebody else. You know, I want them when their Starbucks drink is wrong later in the day for them to be like, Hey, it's no big deal. I just made a really big mistake. And my boss said it was no big deal. This is just a cup of coffee, you know? And I feel like if we all just start modeling that to each other, 
we've got to get somewhere. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm just trying to find the optimism here because it's hard. There are a lot of systematic stuff that we have put together that make a lot of the topics that we've talked about today extremely hard in the motherhood space. Like stuff that you and I, that we can't change. I mean, we can come together and we can talk about it Mm -hmm. all day long, but until we start supporting our moms, until we start lowering the expectations and still until we start taking away this society or pushing back against the society that values the things and the accomplishments opposed to the character, we're not, we're not going to get anywhere. I, th- I heard a, a quote um, that is, do for one what you wish you could do for all. Mm-hmm. And so I think I that's that. where it starts is just with the one person mm-hmm. yep. making a difference, making a change with one person who's mm-hmm. right in front of us and not being overwhelmed by the masses that need the change or the impact, but just creating change with the one. I love that. I love that. Cool. Any takeaways, Linda? Yeah, I think that that all kind of plays into that kind of that grand thing. And it's like, well, I could never make that change. Yep. So I'm just not even going to. Yep. There's no point Love in it. even me doing it. Yep. But there's a baby step that you can contribute. And really, if everybody just did that yeah. with one person or a couple yeah. friends, like that's we can do yeah. that. And I would say probably one of the largest takeaways that I've had in terms of self-growth through I don't know, parenthood and life is literally not being afraid to own your imperfections. Yes. Like do like it, it will change your life. It will 100% change your life. If you can just take a step back and say, we're all imperfect. And you know what? That didn't go right. And I'm going to try again. Yes. It's such a wonderful thing. I don't know. Cool. Yeah. Good. Kat, come back again. Thank you. Thank you. I love being here. Love these conversations. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 